title of the message today is Offering Thanksgiving. Offering Thanksgiving. Psalm 50, verses 8 through 15. Psalm 50, verses 8 through 15. The psalmist is prophesying during this moment. God is speaking through him. And he says, I do not reprove you for your sacrifices and your burnt offerings are continually before me. I take I shall take no young bull out of your house or male goats or out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine and cattle on a thousand hills. Verse 11. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all it contains. Verse 13. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of male goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And pay your vows to the Most High. Verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you, and you shall honor me. Lord, help as we study. I thought it appropriate today for us to talk about Thanksgiving. This is kind of the middle of our, our celebration month, and every year we as a congregation have a moment to offer a Thanksgiving offering to tangibly express to God how grateful we are for who he is and what he does. And I thought I'd concentrate on this moment a, a, a little bit and take a break from our series. The series we're in is the Word of God. I'll catch up on that next week. But the interesting thing about this passage is that God is trying to convey to the people the hows of offering, not the weathers of offering. The people got it down in terms of their regiment. They are properly religious technically excellent at what they are presenting to God. So much so that God sees their offerings and says, I don't have any reproof for you. No correction. No rebuke. You are on time and you are in the prescription. You're offering the right thing and you are offering it when it should be offered. You're following it. You're following the prescription perfectly. And I have no concern about your timeliness. You're coming to church when you should. You're reading your Bible every day. You're praying. You're going to small groups. You're serving as you should in the body of Christ. When you find a need, you're saying, me first. I was talking to some of the children's ministers over there. And, and I am so grateful that so many of you, you are in the process of praying about, Lord, would you give me the privilege of serving two-year-olds? <laughs> I am so proud of you. They told me they've asked many of you, and you said you'd pray. <laughs> that's what you said. And I said, oh, that's great. I know these people. They're, they're grace-covenant Christians. They, they love God. When they say they'll pray, they're going to do it. <laughs> and and, and I, I know you'll pray because you have children over there and other people are watching them. I know you. You're, you're, you're right on time. The need for, for, for so many things in our congregation are pressing you to try to figure out how in the world you can do it best. Because that's what we do as Grace Covenant people. We serve. We're not about just being served. Now, I know you're here for a minute. 
you who are brand new, boy, we welcome you. And we want you to figure us out. We may not be your cup of tea. Am I not one of the stranger ministers on the planet? I mean, I, 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 I dress with, with impeccable coordination. It's true. It's true. I realize that. But the bow tie is a little strange. And I'm sitting on a stool while I talk to you. And it's more like we're having a conversation this one way. And you respond every once in a while with affirmation. That makes me feel good, which makes me preach better. And it's strange. I get it. And this building is not necessarily churchy. It's more auditoriumly. And and everything we do is a little bit different than most traditional churches. I get it. We may not. I may not be your cup of tea. I understand that. You're checking this out for a minute. But you are here. I want you to know. Uh, Let me bust your bubble in a minute. I want you to know that the longer you stay, the more we're going to require. Why? Because it's not just about being served. It's about serving. And our purpose as a congregation is to figure out how we can help our community. Not just how we can all get healthy. Hospital, we will be, yes. Service organization, we will become. We'll get you healthy, heal you, see God do some amazing things in restoration in your life, but all for the purpose of glorifying him through your service. And as great as that is, every one of those things, They can be done religiously, but not in the atmosphere of worship. Meaning you can clock in and clock out, and and it means nothing or very little to God. And this is what was going on with the people. They were showing up to church on time. They were doing all they should do. They They were religiously correct, but their affections and their heart did not seem to be engaged at all. Worship was not coming from them. All they were doing was the right thing. And it's always good to do the right thing rather than the wrong thing. It's always good to do the right thing rather than no thing. And it's definitely good to do the right thing better than to do the wrong thing. But let's make sure that we aren't just doing the right thing without our heart being engaged. Because it's not just about our service, it's about our worship. Are you listening to me? Worship requires that your soul be engaged in what you do, and everything that you do is based on the relationship you have with God. All of your religious activity is to be that which supports your relationship. It is, to not, it is not to be that which substitutes for your relationship. Now, simply because you may not think that things are good between you and God, and if you do, it's all your fault. Just FYI, it's never his fault. You may not feel close. You may not feel intimate. You may not feel his presence with you on a regular basis. I get it. But even though you may not, you still need to involve yourself in worship rather than resorting to just duty. Let me tell you the difference. Religiousness, again, is better than nothing. But when you are only religious, at some point you begin to lose your faith that inspired your religion. And there were people during Jesus' day that got that way. The Pharisees were the best religious people on the planet. They kept all the law. But he said, you do this stuff, but your heart is far from me. I realize that you don't break the Sabbath. 
You make sure you honor your mother and father. You got tithing down. You're on church. You're in church on time. Everything looks beautiful. But on the inside, you are tombs and you've whitewashed it so that nobody knows. If you keep going down the religious road, you will miss out on the primary purpose of his, his ga- ga- gra- grasping you, his purchasing you, which is to call you his own and for you to worship him as his son and daughter. To have a relationship with daddy. That's the primary. It's not just the duty. And by the way, the duty is important. But he can do it better without you. He's really good at fixing things. He's amazing at fixing things. And he has, he asks you because he wants you to participate with him in it. It's not because you're so good at it. I told the story before my daughter was four. I was fixing a shelf that my, my wife wanted to put over one of those things in the bathroom. You put it over the toilet, you put candles and stuff on it. <laughs> and I, it was my job to put it together. Now, if you really want to make me happy, you give me things that say on the box, no assembly required. So I'm, I'm looking at this thing, and this box doesn't say that. And so I realize I've got a project in front of me, and I'm putting it together. I'm not good at this. I'm not. I'm not good with mechanical things. So I try, and it says 20 minutes to put together. It's really going to take me 40. And generally, there are always parts left over after I finish. <laughs> and that's not good. That's, that's not good. My daughter comes in. She sees Daddy working on this project. She says, Daddy, can I help you? It's a brook. She's four. Now, the practical side of me said, said, absolutely not. You're four. And this is hard enough for me by myself (laughs) to try to now have to work with you. It's good. 20 minutes turns into 40. Now it's an hour project. No, you can't help me. But my daddy side kicked in, and I said nothing that my practical side said. Absolutely, baby. Come over here. Let me, let, me, let me show you. So I showed her how to screw in something and unscrew counterclockwise and clockwise and what a difference between a, a nut and a bolt was. And oh, it was a beautiful moment. It did take an hour, but it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> You're four. You want to help? It's going to take God twice as long because you're four. We don't understand anything about the spiritual realm. We must be taught everything we know. It's natural for him because he lives there and created it. And so anytime he wants to use you, it's not because you're so competent. It's because he wants relationship with you. That day, something got built more than just the shelf. And something will always be built more in you when he uses you. It's all about more than just duty. It's about relationship. You just aren't that good. He doesn't need you that much, but he loves to work with you. Why? For relationship. So don't let your religious activity take the place of that which is supposed to be the primary. And then the religious stuff is supposed to support your relationship to him. God says, I don't have any rebuke for you. 
I mean, you're on time. You're bringing all the stuff. But I don't, I don't know if you're doing it the right way. And let me explain what I'm talking about, God says. Remember, I'm not hungry. I'm, I have no need. You bring these things to me. It's not like on Star Trek where they put them in a little silo and then it dematerializes and then winds up in heaven when you offer to me something. That beam me up thing? Did, did I miss? There's a whole generation here that says, Star Trek, what's that? I get it. I get it. I get it. it my generation. It's not like it appears in heaven and, and then God can use it. I mean, what would he really do with a Benjamin? What would, what would he do with a $100 bill? It, it, it carries no weight in glory. So it's, he's saying, I want you to know this, this blesses me when you do it right, but it's really not for me because I don't need it. And let me explain to you, let me re-explain to you who I am. I'm God Almighty who never has had a need. Never will, don't, and haven't ever. And if I did have a need, do you think I'd go to you to fill it? You who are always in need. Why would I talk to you about it? I'm the guy who supplies your need. That would be stupid. I'm God Almighty. I am sufficient all by myself. When I exert my energy to do anything, when I created the world, I exerted my energy to do so and it and, and none left from me that made me tired to do it. I was not depleted when it happened. Anytime I work, I'm never tired when I finish. You need vacations. You need a day off. I took a day off to show you that you need a day off. I don't need a day off. I can just keep on doing whatever I need to do because I have eternal power. I am infinite in my being, and I need nothing from the outside to supply who I am. This is what makes me different than you. I am God all by myself and need no help from you. So he reminds him and says, I own a fat cattle on a thousand hills, and everything in the world is mine. If I were hungry, why would I tell you? This is the beauty of who our God is. Now, he's helping them in perspective, but trying to inspire their faith at the same time. When we understand God like this, it ought to, it ought to make you shout on the inside. Some of you are real Presbyterian in your orientation, and I'm not mad at you about that. But every once in a while, something needs to come out of your mouth more than a whisper. Something needs to emerge from you more than a whisper. And please do not relegate my emotional behavior to my ethnicity. Don't do that. Don't do that. I was in a Baptist church. I was in a, I, my mother brought us up in a black Baptist church and then a white Baptist church. In the black Baptist church, everybody hollering. White Baptist church, nobody says a word. And the preacher is confined to a few words. 20 minutes message, that's it. So I've, I've experienced both cultures, and I kind of liked, really, the one where everybody got out in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that one. I liked it. I was, un, I was an unbeliever. I liked that one. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just I'm, I'm honest. And nobody went crazy. 
There wasn't anybody running around church. There wasn't anybody falling out. I was much more comfortable with that because I understood it. So please don't relegate my emotional responses or the, the, the volumes, the decibels with which I preach to my ethnicity. I didn't come from this, at least not only. I have trained my soul to respond to God with all of my being. And so when something good happens, I make sure that there is no confusion between, say, my excitement with the Redskins and my excitement for, for that which God does for me and for who he is. Now, I can get excited about what my team does, but there will be a huge difference in the way I respond to my team than my God. And I will not let how I respond to my team in any way somehow be seen as that which is, makes me more happy than what my God does. Yet, there are very reserved human beings. I, I, I don't want to relegate it to a profession, but accountants, receptionists, secretaries that really don't, you know, they're, they're, they're not given to emote. They're very tactile in their orientation. It's right in here in boundary. Keep it tight. Keep it tight. Keep it tight. <laughs> Except when they go to FedEx Field. <laughs> Let the skins win on a last second field goal. Let them win. Jumping up and down, hollering and screaming. These reserved accountants, keeping it tight, keeping it tight. Do you know any of those people on that field? Do their jerseys have your last name? Now, if it's your boy, I get it. Shout. But do you, you don't know them. Why would they elicit such a response from you? You do know God, though. And he knows you. you got to relate. Has he done more for you than them? I'm not saying you got to be crazy, but I'm just every once in a while, it deserves more than a thank you, Jesus. I'm just saying I'm just saying. He's God, and he needs to be acknowledged as such. He's different than everybody else on the planet, and we need to recognize that tangibly. He's letting them know, I'm not like you. Please treat me different than just a potluck dinner to which you're bringing your offering. I'm different. Let your heart be engaged in this. Let your soul be engaged in this. Which bleeds over to the how. He says, let me tell you, let me tell you how it needs to be brought. When you come and give me an offering, you offer it as a thanksgiving offering. Now, all offerings were not prescribed as thanksgiving offerings. You had sin offerings. You had guilt offerings. You had certain offerings at certain times of the year, Day of Atonement. Uh, Passover, 
And, and those offerings had a prescription that needed to be fulfilled every time something happened, if it was sin or a guilt offering or at the time of the year. But God says, I want you to add something to all of those offerings. And there was also a thanksgiving offering in Leviticus chapter 7 that was prescribed. This particular offering was not one that was said you need to do it when. It was called a votive offering or a free will offering, which meant you could give it whenever you wanted. And you could give it as often as you wanted. And though there were some things you had to do in order for it to be fulfilled as a Thanksgiving offering, a certain kind of thing needed to be offered, it didn't mean that you could offer just that little bit of that certain kind of thing. You could offer as much as you wanted of that certain kind of thing, depending upon how grateful you were, how thankful you were. And generally speaking, our Thanksgiving is relegated to what has God done for us lately. I'm grateful that you are at least acknowledging whatever he has done for you lately because that's better than ignoring it. But if your Thanksgiving offering is relegated to that, you are myopic. You don't see very far. I wear glasses because if I take them off, I can't see you. Truth. I can't tell whether you're white, black, Asian. I barely can see the color of your, your garments. I am close to blind. I need aid at being able to see correctly. And you, this is what scripture helps us do. It puts lenses on our eyes so that we can better identify that which would be blurry otherwise. And somehow or another, all the stuff that God has done back there for you, gets covered by all the circumstances that are present and we forget his faithfulness to us there because this seems so urgent and thankfulness sprouts wings and flies away. And so now we are basing the faithfulness of our God on what can you do to help me now? God help us to not develop amnesia. Because he sure has done some great things for you. And if you can't remember what he has done, sometimes you just need to remember what hasn't happened. I mean, how many mistakes should you be suffering for right now? Some of y'all ought to be in jail. I didn't say everybody. But you know who you are. You did something illegal. One time you did something illegal. I did. We got quiet. I knew it could get quiet then. Oh, tell Brett. Tell now. Tell. Come on. I was nine years old. I went to the grocery store. I wanted a candy bar. Didn't have any money. I stole it. It was good, too. <laughs> it was so good. I felt horrible afterwards. I wanted to throw up. It was so terrible. I went home, told Mama, Mama, don't get Mama. I went back to the store and had to pay him. That's what Mama and Daddy taught me. You better go back, tell him what you did wrong, and pay that man. Yes, Mama. Yes, Mama. 
Some of us aren't suffering for what we've done wrong. In fact, very few of us are. And not suffering to the degree we should be suffering, even if we are suffering. So sometimes you need to relegate it to what you are not experiencing rather than what you thought you should have. And you ought to lift your hands and say, thank you for staying judgment in my life, O oh Lord. Thank you for not letting me suffer all the consequences of my misdeeds. You are amazing, my God. You are amazing. Not to mention the fact that he's blessed you. He's healed you from your hurts or is in the process of. He's given you help when you needed it. He's brought you this far. He's given you the privilege of opening your ears so you can actually hear what he can say. When there was a time when you appeared in a place like this and you heard, but you didn't hear. You walked out thinking, yeah. I mean, he was funny, about a seven, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Now your ears are open and you are... Oh, my God, this is wonderful. Thank you. You can hear things you never heard before. You've got people that really like you and are suffering through who you are. (laughs) That's what all these elders are to me. They suffer through Brett. You, you, You have a job, many of you, and you may not like it, but never be mad at your manna. Never be mad at your manna. It's God's provision from heaven for you. Never wake up mad that you have to go get it. The people of Israel, were they got, they got bread from, it fell on the ground. They didn't have to go to Safeway. It fell on the ground. They went outside their tent. They gathered it up and they made grain from it. They ground it into flour and made grain and, and, and used it to, to make bread. Every day save the Sabbath, for 40 years this happened. didn't happen to any other people. And it's not like this specific property upon which they were dwelling was, was the, the prime piece upon which this stuff would fall. They were nomadic. They were moving all over. So wherever they moved, God provided. Whatever that looks like in your life, don't be mad about your manna. Now, I know you, don't, you may not. They got mad. They got mad. We, quote, we are tired of this manna. Do you really want to say that you are tired of the provision of God? It's dangerous. I'm going to give you an opportunity to take that back. They didn't. They didn't. And I'm begging you, though you may not like the provision you got, be grateful you got the provision you got. Yeah, I spent too much time. There are so many things for which you need to be grateful not the least of which is your salvation. He died for you. If you never got anything else, that's enough. That's enough. If you never got another thing from him, that would be enough. He's treated us better than we deserve. Therefore, our hearts need to be engaged in this because thanksgiving evokes something from the inside even when your emotions won't respond well. You're telling your soul, And it's amazing. Your heart begins to follow the word. Somebody once said, I think it was (laughs) J-Lo. (laughs) 
follow your heart. I'm thinking, why you want to follow that thing? Where has it got you so far? It doesn't know the right thing to do. You better follow the word and let the word, let the heart follow the word. You don't follow your heart. I tell my heart what to do. I'm not always perfect at it. I get bad attitudes just like you. I get fearful just like you. But at least I'm quicker at checking those things with the words. And no, 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 we are not going there today. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You are not going to think this way about that comment that that person said. You're going to forgive. You're not going that way with respect to your ideas about how you ought to respond to somebody and have a conversation in your own brain before you have the conversation with them. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody says something to you. Now you're going to see them the next day. I know what I'm going to say. Mom. I'm a- Stop all that stupidness. Lord, I forgive. I let it go. I'm going to love them tomorrow in a way like they've never experienced before. They might say something evil to me. I'm going to return it with good because I am called to inherit a blessing. That's what Peter said. Never return evil for evil, but give a blessing instead for you were called for the purpose of inheriting the blessing, meaning you didn't earn it. God just gave it to you. They don't earn it. Give it back. Am I saying too much today? These, these are the attitudes that you have to tell your soul to follow in order to be biblical. And even when you don't feel like it, you better tell your soul to be grateful. You don't need an emotional response. You just need a decision. And you make your heart be right. He says when you do that, when you come with thanksgiving and an offering, oh, 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 I'm going to do some things for you. He also says, fulfill your vows. If you made some promises to God, it might be a good idea to to back them up. That thing you said, God, if you do this, I will. (laughs) I'll go to church every week. I'll read my Bible. I'll, I'll, I'll give some money to help the orphans. Lord, if you deliver me from this, if you help me here, I'm I'm good. How'd that work out? Now, God's so merciful, he delivered you. He helped you. But did you follow through? There ought to be some follow through. He said, pay your vows. Follow through primarily with your commitment to him. Even if you can't remember that which you dedicated by words and you said you want to say, because all of us have done it, have we not? We sat up in a courtroom with a, with a violation of, of 65 and a 40. Oh, Lord, please. <laughs> Lord, please. And we just heard the judge just throw the book at a person. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me, please. I need to drive. Don't let her take my license, Lord. I know it's reckless driving me, but God, have mercy on me. And then we say, Lord, if you... <laughs> You may not even remember those promises you made. But remember this one. You dedicated your life to him. Fulfill your vow. Fulfill your vow. Give it to him. If you're grateful and you give him your life, he said, I'll do this. You call upon me. I give you access like others don't. I let you have my ear like others will not. You call upon me, it's like the bat phone. 
Do you, come on, 50 and plus, come on. 50 and above, bat fold, bat fold. Went straight to Commissioner, Commissioner Gore went straight to the back gate. Didn't have to go through the operator, straight to the back gate. He got his help right now. Bat phone. Batman, Batcave, superhero, fixes stuff. I'm sorry, teenagers, I'm sorry. You get access directly to the throne. You give with thanksgiving. You dedicate your life. He says, when you call on me, you won't have to depend on you to save you. You won't have to depend on Jane to save you. You won't have to depend on anything in this world to save you. You call upon me, I personally will see to your rescue. And the end product will be this. You'll honor me. Because you realize only God could have done that. And what you, what you get beautifully is a cycle of worship. A revolving door out of which you mercifully never get. Thanksgiving. Dedicating life. God calling. Got you calling upon God. He answering. Honor. Thank you, Lord, for helping again. I dedicate my life afresh. Call upon. He answers. Honor. Thank you, Lord. You did it again. Oh, it's a beautiful cycle out of which you never want to exit.